You are listening to the science of nutrition. When you start down the road where belief and magic replace evidence and science, you end up in a place you don't want to be. What's happening is that there's a globalization of illness occurring. The people are starting to eat like us and live like us and die like us. Your child will live a life 10 years younger than you because of the landscape of food that we've built around them. We live in a world shaped by food, and if we realize that, we can use food as a really powerful tool to shape the world differently. So I would like to do a series of episodes on basic nutrition education for those who don't know that much about it. And I'm calling this series Nutrition 101. And today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about carbohydrates. What are carbohydrates? Before I got into this whole nutrition business, I didn't really know um, exactly what they were. I knew things like bread had a lot of them, potatoes. But I didn't know exactly what they were or exactly what your body did with them. So carbohydrates are used mainly for energy. Used by your muscles, your various tissues, your brain um, as energy to kind of keep it all going. They're basically of three types. You have your monosaccharides, you have your disaccharides, and you have your polysaccharides. The monosaccharides are, I guess there's three main monosaccharides, uh, glucose, fructose, and galactose. And glucose is kind of like the godfather of all of the sugars. It's kind of the main one. It's the sugar that floats around your blood a lot and gives, uh, gives your brain energy and, and other tissues. And then disaccharides are two monosaccharides that are linked. So you have maltose, which is one which is two molecules of glucose um, that are attached. You have sucrose, which is a glucose molecule and a fructose molecule. And then you have lactose, which is a glucose molecule and a galactose molecule. Sucrose, you might know better as table sugar. And lactose is, of course, the sugar that you find in milk. And then you have your polysaccharides. There's glycogen and then there's starch. But back to the back to the monosaccharides. What they are is six carbon rings and they're just they have a slightly different structure. Glucose, fructose, galactose. They're all almost virtually the same, but they differ in a little bit uh, with their chemical structure, but it doesn't matter too much. They still provide the same amount of energy, but they're all just rings of carbon. Rings of six carbons, I should say. And all starch is, is just big, long chains of glucose, one after another. That's all it is, but it's stuck together, and you have to, your enzymes have to break it apart in order to transport it transport the sugars into your cell, and then you can harness the energy. Otherwise, it'd be way too big. Couldn't get into the cell, you couldn't do anything. 
Couldn't do anything with it. Now, fiber, technically, it's a carbohydrate as well. Like cellulose. Cellulose is, you find cellulose in a lot of plants. Well, probably every plant. And it's interesting because cellulose is almost the exact same thing as starch, right? It's just chains of glucose. Except that the chemical bonds that link them all together are slightly different. And because of that difference, then you cannot, or at least you don't have the enzymes to break it down into its simpler glucose parts, simpler monosaccharide parts. Um, and so you can't, you know, do anything with it. I mean, it, it serves its own function as, uh, as fiber, which is good in other ways for your body, but you can't harness any energy from it. Termites can, and probably some other insects, but unless you have some sort of mutation that gives you an extra enzyme to, to break those bonds, uh, then you can't, you can't get any energy from it. Although it would be kind of interesting if we were to somehow, if someone were to have, or a few people were to have this mutation that gave them an enzyme to break down cellulose. I mean, that would just open up, you know, and it, let's say it's spread eventually after 500 years, 1,000 years or something. That would be interesting. That would That would open up a whole new food source to us. I mean, we'd be able to get energy from grass or tree trunks or whatever. Of course, we'd probably get a lot less fiber in our diet because we'd be breaking it all down. So that would create some problems there. But where was I? Oh yeah, I mentioned earlier glycogen is another form of carbohydrate, but glycogen is kind of strange. Um, you don't really get a lot of it in your diet. So here's the thing with glycogen. You can store glycogen in your muscles um, skeletal muscle, uh, your liver has a bunch of glycogen as well. That's carbohydrate that you can use and your muscles can use, but you don't really get a lot in your diet. But even if you're eating a steak or something and it has a little, it probably won't have much glycogen in it. I think it's because after like an animal is slaughtered, the glycogen really starts to, uh, break down pretty quickly after slaughtered. So you won't, you won't be eating uh, like a significant portion there's also, like I mentioned, fiber, which you really can't do anything with. Uh, there's two types. Uh, there's the insoluble fiber and there's the soluble fiber. The insoluble fiber, you just can't, you can't do anything with them. And it just, it'll just pass right through you and helps you poo, basically. But it won't give you any energy. And then there's soluble fiber, which you also can't digest. But there's a lot of bacteria in your colon that can. And they might give you... As a byproduct, you might get some uh, some short-chain fatty acids from the fiber or uh, or maybe a little bit of carbohydrate as a result of that bacterial fermentation. It's kind of interesting. I used to think that the starch or the, the carbohydrates in, like, say, whole grain bread or whole wheat bread were fundamentally different from that of uh, white bread. For some reason, I used to think, well, okay, I've heard that wheat bread contained complex carbohydrates and white bread had simple carbohydrates but the truth of the matter is that there's really no difference it's going to be both are going to have essentially identical carbohydrate profiles or they're going to have the same kind of starch you know it's just going to be uh, like i mentioned just the same chains of glucose all linked together but with white bread they just take 
the manufacturers of the bread will take the starchy endosperm and separate it from the rest of the wheat kernel. Uh, so they'll separate the bran and the wheat germ, right? And then they'll sell that separately or something. You know, if you see, you'll see, uh, you can get jars of wheat germ, right? And then maybe they'll put the put the bran in like some fiber capsules or something. I don't know. But then the, the white flour or the white bread is going to be just the starch endosperm, which is mainly the carbohydrates and a little bit of wheat gluten, a little bit of wheat protein, right? But if it's 100% whole grain bread, then they're just going to take that entire kernel and then mill it and then put it in a bag and sell it. And so you'll have the you'll have the bran, which will contribute fiber, and then you'll have um, the wheat germ, which has a little bit of oil and some more protein. And there's also going to be some uh, uh, some vitamins and minerals, some extra vitamins and minerals in the whole grain bread that wouldn't normally be in the white bread. Although nowadays they will quote enrich the white flour and put back in some vitamins and minerals that wouldn't be in there otherwise. So that's the fundamental difference between the white bread and the wheat bread. So what happens when we eat carbohydrates? Well, the main enzyme that your body uses to break down these carbohydrates is uh, an enzyme called alpha amylase. I've heard people say before, oh, if you take a cracker and you stick it in your mouth and you chew on it for 10 or 15 minutes or you just kind of hold it in your mouth for 10 or 15 minutes, it'll turn sweet. And that's because the uh, alpha amylase is busting up those starch bonds and you're getting glucose, which is sweet because it's a sugar. And I've tried that before, but it hasn't worked for me. So I don't know if, like, I don't have any uh, amylase in my mouth or if I didn't wait long enough, or what. But supposedly you can try that. Stick some starch in your mouth, whether it's from a cracker or bread or whatever. Kind of chew it up. Let uh, let amylase do its thing. And maybe you can taste the sweet glucose afterwards. <laughs> and then the carbohydrates will go into your stomach. And the highly acidic nature of your stomach, and all the stomach acid and the churning, is probably more for protein digestion uh, than anything. It's to denature the proteins more than it is to help digest uh, starch or carbohydrates. Eventually the contents of your stomach will empty into your intestine and then you're at the same time, at roughly the same time, your gallbladder will squirt enzymes into your intestine as well. These enzymes are produced actually by the pancreas and they'll be like mostly for protein probably but it's going to have a lot of amylase in there as well and so the amylase will start to work on any of the starches um, that are still around and uh, also lining your intestine is a layer of intestinal epithelial cells they're called uh, enterocytes they're the ones that have the little microvilli on the ends of them and on the surface of the microvilli are going to be more enzymes like uh, sucrase or lactase if you are lucky enough to manufacture that enzyme, if you're lactose intolerant, you probably don't make it. Um, and so your cells will manufacture these enzymes and stick them out onto the membrane of the enterocyte. It will expose them to the lumen of the intestine and work to break down anything that's left over. And then once they're all broken down into their monosaccharide parts, they will be small enough to transport, be transported through the enterocyte um, with the specialized transporter proteins that are on the cell surface. What's waiting on the other side of the 
enterocyte. It's also called the brush border. Is that layer of intestine that's exposed to all the food. The brush border. I don't know. I think it's cool. I think it's a cool name. But once they pass through the brush border, on the other side, there will be capillaries. And they'll get dumped. The sugars will get dumped into the bloodstream and go immediately to the liver. So what about high fructose corn syrup? That is a that is definitely a carbohydrate. Is there a difference between high fructose corn syrup? I should say is there a significant difference between high fructose corn syrup and um, other sugars? Well, that's an interesting question, and I don't have the answer really. <laughs> I will tell you that I did have a I had a professor at Colorado State. He got his PhD in biochemistry. He taught a class on uh, uh, metabolism. And in his class, he said that it absolutely does make a difference. The more fructose you have in your diet, not to get too technical because you can get, this is supposed to be a like an introduction, nutrition 101, right? So I'm going to try to keep it simple. But in short, he claimed that fructose will promote fat synthesis and leads to hyperinsulinemia and will promote um, glucose utilization by the liver. However, I also have a professor now teaching the graduate level of the exact same class, metabolism, and he has his degree in cell biology, I believe, and he thinks that there's really not any kind of measurable or significant difference between sucrose and high fructose corn syrup because sucrose is, like I mentioned earlier, half glucose. It's one molecule of glucose and one molecule of fructose, so it's like a 50-50. And high fructose corn syrup is not much different. It's like uh, 55% fructose, 45% glucose, which is strange. I'm really not sure how they do that. The difference, the difference between uh, table sugar and high fructose corn syrup is negligible, which is in contrast, like I said, to what my former professor said. But here's the deal. If you just stay away from sodas, you stay away from sugary candies like Sour Patch Kids, even though I love that. I love those things. And you stay away from, like, Sprees or Sweet Tarts or, I don't know, whatever kind of really sugary candy. And you stay away from those, you'll be fine. So I think that's why I want to wrap this up today. So I don't know about y'all, but I definitely like pictures um, when I'm trying to learn something. It helps me integrate um, what I'm hearing, if I can put a nice visual representation in my memory banks with it. So I'm going to post some pictures I scanned um, onto the website so you can check those out. And uh, that's it for today. Bye.